check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast, where we talk about integrative symptom management and physician well-being, because every physician deserves to have satisfying work, and every patient deserves an effective and joyful physician. Let's get started. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Delia Caramonti, and today we're going to talk about eight things that you should do if your parent has dementia. This is appropriate whether you are the person who has a parent with dementia or if you're using this information to counsel your patients. Eight things. The first one is the hardest one, so that's why we're starting with that. The first one is get help sooner than you think you need to. By far, I think the biggest mistake that people make when they're dealing with a parent with dementia is they don't get help of various kinds soon enough. There's a lot of no, it's okay. We've got this. It's not that bad. We can do it. But the truth is, this is such a stressful experience to have a parent with dementia that the more help you can get as early as you can get it, the better. Now, this is the hardest one because your parents really may not want any help. And so you yourself can get some help, as in you can get help around the house, you can get someone to clean. You, if this is a really tough time in the family, you could get someone to take your kids to school, etc. But really what I'm talking about is getting help with your parent that you're worried about. There's various different kinds of help that you can get, so let's talk about that. So one of the easiest, maybe, maybe for your parents to accept, is getting some simple help around the house. So if it's things like help cleaning or help getting food together or help doing laundry, stuff like that, yard work that maybe is harder for them to do, sometimes your parent may be most receptive to that kind of help. And that's a place to start if either they can afford it or somebody else in the family can afford it. Probably more important for you is having some kind of help to check on the person who has dementia. And depending on how severe that dementia is, either this is now and then help, like a few times a week to make sure they're getting showered, or if they're not safe to live alone and there's nobody there with them, of course, that may be 24-7 kind of help. That is often a little bit harder for the loved ones to accept. So we'll talk in a second about how you can maybe help get them to accept it. But in general, first off, I just want you to think about what kind of help can I get? The other kind of help that you might want to get is help talking to your loved one with dementia and perhaps the spouse, your your other parent or your parent's spouse, if it's not your, your parent, is help talking to them about the reality of what's going on because they may not want to hear it from you because they're your parent. Like you were the kid once, right? They were in charge. And if you're trying to tell them how they're not doing a good enough job, they're not keeping it together, there's something wrong with them, that may be tough for them to hear from you. So sometimes it can be helpful to recruit somebody else to help tell them that, an authority figure. So one option is a geriatrician. So if they don't already have a geriatric specialist physician, you might want to get that for them. And you can even call that person in advance, the physician in advance and say, hey, these are my concerns. And I'm wondering if you could talk to my mom about driving, for example. So you can kind of prep the doctor 
what your concerns are, what you're seeing at home in case it's uncomfortable to talk about those things in front of your parent during the visit, if you're even invited to come. If you don't have a geriatrician or your parents are not interested in doing that, you also can talk to their primary care doctor, their family doctor or internist and say those same things and see if you can convince your loved one to go to the doctor. You can prep the doctor in advance and perhaps the doctor will do a memory assessment or a geriatric assessment or counseling around dementia. Another option is to take your loved one to a neuropsychologist. That is a really great resource. These are people who have expertise in helping families who are coping with a loved one with dementia. There actually is another podcast episode that interviews a very skilled neuropsychologist, so you might want to go looking for that if this is something that you're facing. But a neuropsychologist can be a great option if your parent is feeling like, oh, well, I already have a doctor. I just got my physical. I don't need to do that. Doing testing with a neuropsychologist and having the neuropsychologist address issues like driving, living alone, etc. can be really helpful. You can also get help driving. So for example, if it's really hard for you because you have your own life to live and your parent needs to be driven around places or perhaps the other parents also not safe to drive, you can hire people to drive them places if that's helpful or you can use mobility vans. So think about all the things that are hard and is there a way that you can hire some kind of help even if it's Uber Eats or, you know, pre-made meals or having someone come in to make meals, anything that you can get off everybody's plate can make a stressful time a little bit less stressful. Now, when you're talking about the tough things, like maybe it's becoming unsafe for your parents to live at home alone and you want someone to come in and spend time with them or check on them, a caregiver type person, there are some things that you might think about. Now, of course, you can ask their geriatrician or the family doctor, or internist, or the neuropsychologist to talk about those things. But also you can raise the issue yourself. But here are the things to keep in mind. You want to preserve their dignity as much as possible. Remember, these were the parents, right? Like think how you feel about your own kids. You don't want your kids telling you what to do. So as much as you can preserve their dignity, that's important. So your focus should be on trying to give them choices and control wherever you possibly can. Like, I think it's really important that we bring mom to get evaluated. Would you like that to be with a geriatrician? Would you like it to be with your internist? Or would you like to to see a neuropsychologist? So any place you can give choices rather than take away choices, that can sometimes make it more palatable for somebody who's in a difficult situation. And think about your parents and what motivates them. So for some parents saying, it would make me feel better. It would help me if you would do that. Sometimes that motivates them. Sometimes saying something like, let's go to an expert and find out all the ways that we can preserve your independence for as long as possible. Maybe that is something that would be motivating. Maybe something like, let's gather all the information that we possibly can gather. Let's just educate ourselves as much as we can about this situation so we can make good decisions. Maybe that would motivate them. So you want to try as much as you can not to say or imply, we have to do this because you're broken or you're failing or you guys can't keep it together. So we have to get help in the house. So as much as possible, really notice your language and the energy you're bringing to the conversation and do everything you can to preserve your parents' dignity and choices as much as possible and appeal to what motivates them helping you, getting knowledge, doing the right thing, staying safe. Try to think about what motivates them and see if you can build this story around that. 
There are agencies that do elder care management and kind of help you figure out this whole thing with a guide. So that's another thing that you can consider. So all of that was number one, which was get help sooner than you think. So if you're even starting to think about it, now is the time to start having these conversations because if you wait until things get to become more of a crisis, it just becomes much harder. So you might want to have these conversations, drop it for a couple of weeks, bring it up again, drop it for a couple of weeks, bring it up again. But if you don't have the conversation the first time until somebody falls and ends up in the hospital, then it's it's much more distressing for everybody in the family. So if you're even thinking about it, start trying to get some kind of help with this process sooner rather than later, as in now. That's one. Number two is forgive your parents for being imperfect. Because if you're going through this, if you have a parent with dementia, I'm just going to guess that it's probably a pain in the rear end. And probably they're not listening to you. You want them to do it a certain way and they don't want to do it. Maybe they're being cranky about it. Maybe they're criticizing you or who knows. But usually it's not as smooth as you want it to be. And of course, it's because it's stressful for them. Like none of us, when it's our turn to have our kids have these conversations with us, nobody wants that. It feels lousy and terrible. So when any of us feel lousy and terrible, we don't bring our best selves. So if your parents are annoying you or not acting how you want them to act, try to find the forgiveness place if you can. They're in a tough spot. That's two. Number three is to forgive yourself because maybe maybe you want to hide and not deal with it. Or maybe you sometimes wish that this were all over. Or maybe you wish that someone else would just deal with it. So if you feel like sometimes you're cranky, sometimes you don't want to deal, forgive yourself for that too, because this is just a really hard situation and nobody is at their best, but it's often a long haul kind of situation. So you have to take care of yourself along the way. So forgive yourself if you're not being exactly how you would want yourself to be, because guess what? You probably won't be. And that's okay because you're human and we're all like that. It's okay. Number four is grieve the reversal of roles. Don't just gloss over this thing. It's terrible to have your parents who you have always potentially respected or seen as the grownups in the world, all of a sudden now are in need of your assistance. So it stinks for them, but it also stinks for you because you lose the people who were in charge, who were taking care of you. So don't gloss over that. It's really a loss. It's a loss. And just acknowledge for yourself that it's a loss. And so sometimes you may feel like, oh, I'm so frustrated because they won't do the right thing. They won't do what I tell them to do. And I'm sure that's true. But sometimes there may be a part of that that is grief and sadness for yourself. And just make some space for that. You might talk about it with someone that you care about, who cares about you. You might talk about it with a therapist. You might write about it in a journal. You might process it by going for a run or doing art or making music or listening to music, but just make space and acknowledge for yourself that there is grief in this experience for the role reversal that's happening in your family. Number five is Talk to your parents about their future goals. Sometimes that can make it a little bit easier. So if you're coming at it like, 
dad, it's not safe for you to be in the house by yourself anymore. We have to get you into a facility or we have to get someone here all the time. That's going to be really difficult for your parent to talk about. But if you can talk to them about the future, what are their goals for the future? Sometimes you can back end into the conversation about what's happening right now. So perhaps you might say, you know, at some point, it might not be safe for you to be here alone. So in the future, if that were to happen, what do you think you'd want for yourself? Like, what is the most important thing for you? So they might say something like, I want to be in my house no matter what, or I want to make sure that you don't have to take care of me or wipe my rear end, or I want to be in a place where I can have friends and have a drink with people in the evening, or I want to make sure that I'm safe, or honestly, I don't need to be on this earth if I can't take care of myself. It's not important to me. What's most important to me is my independence, and that's what I care about much more than how long I stay on this earth. So try to get a sense of what is really important to them for the future. And of course, this is potentially a tough conversation to have, but it's important to have it. But it's much easier to have it about the somewhat theoretical future than it is to have about the right now, which is another reason to start having these conversations before it's a crisis. So if you're starting to think, gosh, I I don't know that you know my parents are going to be able to live alone forever, that's the time to start having this conversation, not when it's clear that like tomorrow they can't be home alone anymore. It's much easier to have it slowly starting now. Number six is to prioritize safety for your parents, of course, but also for other people. So sometimes people who are fully able to make their own decisions may stay in a situation that's not the safest for them. And if they can make their own decisions, they do have the right to make that decision. But they really don't have the right to drive when it's unsafe because they can kill somebody else or to use the stove in their home if it's not safe because they can burn down the apartment and maybe somebody lives in the apartment next door. So as part of this conversation, you can prioritize safety. And if it's easier for the parent to start with other people's safety, you can do that. But of course, if it's if their own safety is important to them, which is partly why you're going to talk about goals. So hopefully they say, yeah, you know, I want to make sure I don't break a hip. I want to make sure that I stay safe. If they say that as part of their goals, it makes it easier to have this next conversation about safety. And from the conversation of safety, sometimes can come and therefore it's not safe to drive anymore, or therefore it's not safe to be home alone in the house anymore. But start with their goals, then bring up safety and see where that brings you. Number seven is to not miss depression. Because first of all, a lot of people get depressed when they are facing this situation. Depression itself can reduce cognitive function. So it is possible that if you have a parent with um, reduced cognitive function, that some part of that is depression. It's unlikely to be all of it, but it's a possible contributor. But also depression reduces quality of life. And so if your parent has to deal with a difficult time, has to make decisions, has to find joy in their life, even though things may not be going exactly how they want them to, that is so much harder if they have untreated depression. Depression can look different in older people. It may not manifest with crying. 
It may manifest more with a negative mood, with pulling away and seeming disinterested, which can also be symptoms of dementia. So it can be hard to pull apart. This is another reason that it can be helpful to go to a geriatrician or to a neuropsychologist to help screen for depression and see if that may be part of what's going on. And then of course, if you feel like you might be depressed, it's also important to treat your own depression because having a parent with dementia is number one, extremely hard. Number two, it's a long haul kind of situation often. So this is often something you're going to have to deal with for years. And it's so much harder to deal with hard things when you're depressed. So if you have a sense that you yourself might be depressed, please, please, please go to your physician or psychologist, psychiatrist to talk about it. And if therapy or medications or other treatments are indicated, please, please pursue those because you have a hard thing to deal with and it's easier to deal with it when you're not depressed. And then number eight is that because you have such a hard thing to deal with, if you can lighten your load in any way, please consider doing that. What does that mean? Can you get someone to help clean your house? Can you get someone to help do errands for you? Can you lower your standards a little bit so maybe your house isn't as perfect? Can you give up some volunteer work? Can you work fewer hours? Can you get your spouse to help more? Can you hire a mother's helper? Just look for all the ways that you can lighten your own load because there is some load you're going to have to carry if your family is dealing with one or two parents with dementia. So try to lighten the rest of your load, get stuff off your plate if at all possible so that you have the energy to manage this challenging situation. Okay, so to review, eight things to think about if your parent has dementia or if you're counseling families where a parent has dementia. Number one, get help sooner than you think you need it. And that includes a geriatrician, a neuropsychologist, geriatric care managers, and make sure to try to preserve control and dignity for your loved one as much as possible. That's one. Number two, try to forgive them for being imperfect. Number three, try to forgive yourself if you don't want to deal with it or you wish it were over. Forgive yourself for being imperfect too. Number four, grieve the role reversal. Don't blow that off because that's part of why this is so hard. Number five, talk to your parents about their future goals. If at some point you can't live alone, what are the kinds of things that would be most important to you? Number six, prioritize conversations around safety. So it's not just, I think you should do something, mom, but more, we need to make sure that you don't kill somebody when you're driving. Number seven, make sure you don't miss depression in your loved ones, your parents or yourself. And number eight, do everything you can to lighten your own load so that you are better able to handle this challenging situation. Okay, if you yourself have a parent with dementia, you got a lot of homework in there today. If you don't have a parent with dementia right now, your homework is if you have parents who are living is to have some kind of conversation with them about their future goals. Or if you're thinking of this from the clinician point of view, see if this week you can have a conversation with any of your families that you care for who have an elderly parent and just start the conversation, teach them some of these things so that they can have these conversations in their family. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you next Thursday. And here's a favor that you could do for me. You have two choices. One is to tell someone else about this podcast or two is to go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really want to spread the word. All right, take care. I'll see you next week. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the Integrative Palliative Institute. 
dedicated to whole person care for people with serious illness using all the tools that work. If you've always thought that there was a better way to practice medicine, you're right, and you've found your people. So help spread the word. Send this episode to a friend or colleague, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and reach out anytime and come learn with me. You can find more information and training programs at integrativepalliative.com.